to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? Doing pretty good, actually. Today, we're here to talk about Seonji, and here to help us do that is our new friend, Abby, different Abby from an Abby that we have had previously on the show. How you doing tonight, Abby? I'm doing just fine. I didn't realize that I was the second Abby. Now I feel a little bit less special. Well, you're our first Seonji expert. That's true. You can you can go ahead and call me Abby Lark if you want to. That's what I go by. Okay, cool. Well, we can just go ahead and start with our questions. Normally, we start out by asking uh, our guest, what is your history with Revolutionary Girl Utsuna as a series? Oh boy. Um, well, I started what when I was in high school, I started watching anime in general. And I had a friend who uh, was really into Utena to the point where like, she had a bunch of websites and did a bunch of fan art. They were all like the GeoCities websites that you'd see oh, back okay. then that everybody had. And then, uh, you know, she had just the first videotape. And so we watched that a lot of times. I, b- I would borrow it from her because that's how you got to see anime back in the day is you would lend your videotapes out to people and they would uh, lend their videotapes out to you. And, you know, it was a community thing. Um, and then she had to have knee surgery. So we bought the first season box set of videotapes for her for a gift. And then, of course, we borrowed that around. And then, um, so that was like... 17 or 18 years ago sisterhood of the Uh, traveling box set (laughs) basically uh so but that was when there was only the first season out and i didn't get to see the end of the series until i was like 25 or 26 or something like that because i was poor and i couldn't buy it but the thing is there was this website out there that had all of the episode translations so if you could buy the videotapes from japan you could watch them with the translations that's another way that people did things back before the ability to download videos on the internet existed oh wow um yeah so i read all the scripts and um i was really into it i wrote fan fiction and drew fan art and um, I did a pa- I did paintings actually. We had art wow. class. Yeah, my mom still has a painting hanging in her room that has color coded roses with like thematically appropriate color blends going on. And whenever I walk by it, I'm just like, "Yep, I'm a nerd." I also had like a de- depressing painting of like Seonji with like tears running down his face and bloody rose petals falling out of his hands and it was just very dramatic oh my so, gosh really? oh my god i threw i threw it away in the garbage because i wanted to be done with that chapter of my life it's where seonji belongs yeah it's true even though i was when I, I when i was a kid i was a genuine like he can change fan of seonji like he's he's good boy somewhere deep inside and he can change oh you were wakaba <laughs> Yeah, kind of. Um, And I actually wrote a bunch of fan fiction with Wakaba, like, helping him, you know, trying to understand him and actually having the ability to do so, which she didn't in the canon. And, uh, you know, I I wrote that fan fiction and I posted it online. And so somebody in the audience might have heard it and I read it rather. And I hope that nobody reminds me of it because I don't want to have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> well, we don't have to uh we don't have to get too specific with any of your <laughs> fandom stuff that you don't want to get into. 
No, it's okay. Secrets. Um, my my old fan fiction name was Ryuko Chan, R Y U K O dash C H A N, and that's on fanfiction.net. So if anybody who's reading this really wants to go and read my bad high school fan fiction, it's still up. Oh, God bless the internet for better for worse. I get a lot of, like, random faves on my really shitty Ranma fanfic, and I'm like, but why? Oh, I love Ranma. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I still love it, but I really hate all my bad fanfiction, because it was all, like, fix it fic, where Kuno and um, Nabiki get married and shit. Oh, uh, okay, like, I see. Oh my god, why am I 12, you know? But anyway, as I grew older, I still really liked Utena, and my favorite character was still Seonji, but for, like, different reasons. Mm -hmm. Because from my perspective, I feel like he, more than most of the people in the series, is very genuine. I mean, him and Nanami, I guess you could say, are both very straightforward and genuine with their emotions. And and I'm actually... uh, I should sort of introduce myself. I'm actually a, a translator of Japanese comics, so... Oh! Yeah, that's my job. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, read The Water Dragon's Bride by Viz. The last volume is coming out in, I don't know, nine months, because I just got it in the mail, so... Oh, hell yeah. yeah love Viz. They give me my Sailor yes. Moons. No, that's Kodansha. Well, uh, I for them Viz has too, the though. rights for the anime. Oh, that's right. They do have the anime. I'm sorry. No, you're I'm, good. I focus a lot harder on comics, except when it comes to stuff like Utena and Escaflone, which are meant to be anime first. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, my job is comics. So I think a lot about comics. And what the and one of the things about Utena that I realized as I got older is that it is very much um, informed by and sort of... Um, a response to tropes that were very present in early shoujo. By early, I don't mean like Ribbon no Kishi Tezuka early. I mean like in the 70s when shoujo sort of exploded. Mm-hmm. The the tropes in those comics are very much in, in a lot of ways present in Utena, except for Utena is actually a lot less tragic than those comics. Interesting, because um, Utena is pretty tragic. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, especially Yuri manga back in the day, the main every Yuri comic has to end tragically. Basically, I read Claudine, which is less a Yuri comic and more of like a baby trans comic. It's about the the main oh, character is this this quote woman named Claudine who believes herself to be a trans man essentially, and but because it's like the you know. 1970s or 80s or 60s it's probably 60s or 70s because it was published in like 1975 or something um eventually uh the woman she is dating marries her brother and she is like she commits suicide but it was interesting because there's a therapist character who's sort of the framer of the story um and he's very sympathetic and it's like i really believe that you are inside a man and it still doesn't work out for her because in a lot of ways it's a you know most of the people making these comics weren't actually trans as tends to be the case unfortunately yeah they thought of it as a very romantic tragic story i mean Um, we'll get to you know oscar yes oscar yeah Rose of Versailles. Rose of Versailles, which I just finished rereading. Well, I watched the anime before, but I finished reading it for the first time last week. We watched the first episode of Rose of Versailles for this show. Oh, yeah? I I do feel like Rose of Versailles is a little... It's not that much different, but it's a little different. Like, I feel like Oscar 
isn't quite as the same sort of like just the crushed hero of fate. Like Oscar's got a little more agency. Like I yes, know. I mean ultimately uh, spoilers for a thirty-year-old. No, I'm sorry, forty-year-old <laughs> comic. Um. Oh, 50 years old? How old? It came out in 70-like-something, so I don't even know what year it is anymore. I guess it's almost 50. Yeah, it's 45 years old. Um, But uh, in the end, the reason Oscar dies is because she decides to side with the revolution. She might have been able to make it out, you know, if she had gone, well, shit's going tits up, so I better run. I'm sorry, can we swear on this? Yeah, totally. Yes. Go for it. This is an okay. Utsunuk podcast, baby. We, you can only <laughs> imagine the stuff we've had to talk about on here. Yeah, that's true. It's not for yeah. kids. This is um, not for kids or babies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, she dies because she decides to storm the Bastille with everyone instead of, you know, running away or being with the queen as she's supposed to. Um and she gets shot. But I mean, I think that the that the thing about Oscar that is that that maybe the people who read it and then came and worked on Utena felt betrayed by is that in the end, Oscar never falls in love with a woman. Women yeah. fall in love with Oscar all the time, but Oscar only ever falls in love with men and, you know, never really shows any interest in women at all. Um, and in the end, like decides the choice for her is not between being, you know, who I am and loving who I want to love. It's between being a man and not being able to love anyone and being a woman and being able to fall in love. And ultimately she chooses to fall in love and then her love interest dies and she's like, well, that's it. Bye everyone. That's that. I feel like that, uh, is, that is a common, not necessarily a common problem, but this idea that like, women can only fall in love with men is uh i feel it like it comes up a lot in i i don't want to necessarily when i i don't want to say yuri to classify like rosa Versailles necessarily but like manga that has women that are sort of like lesbian coded characters that seems to be like a common problem that pops up is like well well this isn't like love yeah I mean, and that's a trope that comes up a lot in um, the more recent stuff that wants to to battle against that. I can't remember what it is, but somebody on my my friends list keeps talking about like a uh, an anime where uh, two girls were dating in like middle school, and then um, the one comes up to the you know bloom into you runs into you, no. I don't know if that's it. Oh, is it? Darn! Maybe. I watched that one recently, and there was a scene where like. Uh, it had to do with that sort of trope, but uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go on. No, well, anyway, like, and the girlfriend apologizes because she's like, I'm sorry, I wrecked you a little bit. And then, you know, her her former girlfriend is like, no, no, it's totally cool. I'm fine. Anyway, here's me and my girlfriend who I'm meeting. And then she's just like, yeah, no, that sounds like Bloom into you. you. That sounds like a scene from Bloom into you. Yeah, I think that is actually. Okay, I'm bad at knowing these things because I I didn't know I didn't even know Bloom into You had an anime. I probably wouldn't have uh, realized it if I hadn't watched it very recently. Yeah, um, but like, so those tropes are what they're sort of fighting against, and and that that was true for Utena too. Except for at the time, you know, there was a lot less likelihood that they could go full bore and actually have everyone be super gay. Yeah. Um, 
just because that kind of shit wasn't allowed on TV. Um, not even whatever satellite channel Uchina originally ran on. But um, one thing that's interesting, and that actually goes back to our topic for the episode instead of just being me rambling, um, is that there are a lot of characters like Seonji in these older comics. There are a lot of characters like him who are very controlling of their of the women in their lives and who are like sort of they generally tend to be anti-heroes or, you know, they're usually a lot more suave than he is. He's kind of um blunt but um, I, I feel like seoji is a piss take of that kind of character he is yeah because he doesn't ever get what he wants literally ever you know like a lot of these characters get what they want for a while and then maybe they get their comeuppance or they don't get what they want they don't get what they want they don't get what they want maybe they change a little and are a little more honest and then they get what they want um but they but the thing is the comics really like to forget all the shitty stuff that they did previously Ah. Like in Glass Mask, where Masumi Hayami, you know, A, he falls in love with this girl who's like 14 when he's uh, 26 or something. Uh. And then, I mean, he thinks it's gross too, so at least there's that. He's like, I can't be falling in love with a 14-year-old. That's nasty. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, she's an actress. It's about acting, Glass Mask. And he follows her career and keeps, you know being like an asshole to her in real life but also being her secret fan who secretly sends her purple roses all the time who she's like i love him and i think he's so great if only we could meet in real life and then like ultimately the reason that it appears at least because i'm only on like volume 39 (laughs) of 49 and it's not even over yet uh, the reason that they're they're probably going to get together, maybe, even though he sort of has a fiancé, is because he's able to sort of admit that, you know, he can't just go through his whole life being the business guy who doesn't care about anyone and just being an asshole all the time. But also, he does these horrible things. Like, you know, you're like, oh, I like, I like Hayami. He's cool. But then you're like, wait a second. He uh, imprisoned the main character's mom in a hospital because he thought it would be a great idea to reintroduce her to her estranged mother in in a in a publicity stunt but then the mom escapes from the hospital and she gets hit by a car and she dies cuz she's blind whoa it's a crazy comic but it's good anybody who um is interested in reading old style comics should read it i'm sorry i got way off topic no that's okay <laughs> so to, to tie this actually in cuz i have an interesting question do you so you do you see Seonji as a continuation slash a commentary on these earlier kind of um, comic tropes? Um, yeah, I do. T- I do to to a, g- a good degree because, like, if you're expecting the same thing from them as you're expecting from uh from these older comics, or, I'm sorry, yeah, of Uchina as you're expecting from these older comics, you would see Seonji and you would say, "This is the character who has." you know, on 11th hour change of heart and ends up with Wakaba. And that might be what you would be expecting for the episode of Wakaba's Black Rose episode. Like he decides to be a good guy. And, but what they're really saying is that people who have these ideas and people who are so baked into these masculine stereotypes and these, you know, toxic, this toxic masculinity, they don't learn their lesson that easy. It's so much easier for them just to go back into their old ways of thinking in their old life and 
you know, to want to be the guy who everybody on campus likes instead of just being, you know, one girl's boyfriend who doesn't <laughs> doesn't go to school anymore, I guess. So I kind of felt like him and uh, Toga were both simultaneously, and this sounds weird, but like they're, I feel like they were both simultaneously like a, this is what this kind of character would be like in real life. Where yeah, yeah, that's totally They're both it. kind of the arrogant, um, love interest in the stereotypical shoujo manga, but like, what if they were real? With the two different sides, one being the Toga's the the one that has all the suaveness and all of the like, whatever. <laughs> whereas Sayoji got all of the brashness. Yeah, he's the fixer upper. Yeah, like, and so like, you know, in any other manga, we always get this kind of Sayoji character as more like he's a a dick, but like, you know, he's got a little bit of that boyish char about him where he's willing to risk and be adventurous and we you're right like we, we get up we get that kind of things and we, and we would expect an 11th hour redemption and with seoji we don't i mean what do you make because with the the closest we get with him is the episode with the last toga duel where him and toga sort of team up to stop and um Utsuda from going forward with the revolution do you think that's as close as he gets? Do you think that's counts at all? Um Well, really, I don't I don't. <laughs> and this probably comes from um something else that I forgot to mention. I've never been a fan of Toga. I don't like him at all. I I think that I mean, I'm sympathetic to the character of Toga because I believe that all the things he's done uh, you know, are sort of they sort of they all have a root back into the fact that he's been yeah. abused. Yeah. So uh, there's only so much I can say against that. I just also just don't like him as a person and, you know, as a character. But um, he's kind of cool in the manga. I like the part where he goes and lives with Utena as like her servant. That was pretty fun. But um, I feel like uh, what they're doing there is not like, it's not tr actually trying to help. I think that they don't necessarily understand that what um, Akio is doing is like manipulative bullshit. I mean, they, they do want her not to go along with his plans, but also what they're trying to do is sort of expiate their guilt from yeah. not being able to help her when she was a kid and, you know, realizing that they, uh, that this is the last thing they can do for her and blah blah blah. So, yeah, so, so they're you think of them as being more? They're so outmaneuvered at that point that like the the I that they think that they can help her, but like they don't understand what's going on at all. Yeah, really, they're basically just playing into Akio's hands again for the yeah. umpteenth time. Which the, you always get like the feeling that they kind of know. Like they're not sure, yeah. but they have a suspicion. There's that scene where they're both shirtless <laughs> and just like sort of talking to each other with Uchina between them and they're and they're just like they seem really resigned and you're like, Yeah, that's I mean, you're you're doing your best, I guess. Um I do I do think that at one point there was a chance for Sayonji to be uh to be like not shitty. <laughs> And it and it sort of was right. It was I mean it, you know, it was kicked off with another act of shittiness. But right after he comes back to school, 
at after the Black Rose saga. And of course, nobody remembers what happened there, basically. Although I guess he probably the actual events outside of the duels are probably still extant. Um, but he comes back to school and he goes, I'm not going to do this anymore because I think it's stupid. <laughs> and I think, you know, we need to respect people's autonomy and stuff. And Anthony's not a toy. And then um, he gets taken in the fuck car to the end of the world. And then he's like, oh, wait, no, she is uh, actually an object. <laughs> I've learned my lesson now because of all the sex. <laughs> and then they duel again. And it's like, okay. Um, but, like, between those times, I feel like he had a little bit of a chance. Um, I feel, I feel that, um, the, the, his biggest problem, uh, as a character in Uchina is how straightforward he is. Because he does not really, he doesn't lie. He doesn't say nice things just because he's supposed to. And I think that's one of the things that I identify with with him because that's, I have a day job on top of my translation. I get a lot of flack at my day job for not sugarcoating things and um so that's more patriarchy but here's a question mm-hmm. we have talked a lot on this show about the relationship between Sionji and Toma. We've, we've done i think almost every angle you can both of them and other friends we've talked about this idea that you know Sionji trying to chase after toga in some way we've talked about mm-hmm. What is Toga Siazayoji? We've talked about them as friends. We've kind of talked about them as potential lovers. Like you had to. I've talked about them as lovers. I'll say that. I'll own up to if that to, part. If you had to sum up their relationship in a couple of sentences, and, and you like had to, because I know it's going to be probably a little difficult. How would you? Like besides the fact that you know they're it's super manipulative and bad. Like what are they to each other? That is really hard to hard to right? put together. <laughs> well, right? it's like because all the experiences Toga has had in his life with other men uh, up until then have basically been like him being groomed and then molested. Um, I think that it's very likely that he um, that he acted out sexually with Seonji. Um, but I, I think also that that's that's part of the reason that Seonji's relationship is so uh toxic with him he, he they you know he's wants to compete with him he always feels like toga is ahead of him in some ways i think for a really long time i mean i i don't think that to- that seonji ever knows or and this is this is mostly headcanon obviously because in the tv series it's never uh explicitly stated that toga was abused as a child yeah. um and it was only stated in the in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, I feel like I've read something somewhere saying that Ikuhara or the you know Bay Papas wanted to have that in the series, but the pe- people on the TV were like, "That's no." I'm pretty sure no? that Inokido said that they wanted to include that, but I don't I don't remember if they said exactly why it didn't end up in the show. I think maybe it may have also been an issue of, like, figuring out where to fit it into the story. Yeah, and it may have been um, something that they were going to do, but after they had issues with Toga's voice actor... Oh, um, yeah, that, and he that also could have been a, a contributing factor. I think uh, we talked about that on the Toga episode. We did. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's actually... I feel like that's probably a big... Like, you can't yeah, do just... that kind of episode without your voice actor. Yeah, and just bog standard, you know, 
actor issues and scheduling mm-hmm. conflicts and stuff can really screw stuff up. I'm a Common Rider fan, and that happened in my favorite series, Common Rider Wizard, because one of the characters is played by like an idol, and she had to do concerts a lot. So her arc, which was very important to the plot, was given short shrift. Uh. Um, yes, but uh, the bottom line, I think, is that because of the way that Toga's life has gone, his his relationship with Seonji can never be on a one-to-one, you know, basic personal level, partly because he is afraid of being intimate with other people and telling them secrets and not basically lying to him all the time. And also because Seonji is really dense and he can't pick up on subtle clues. <laughs> so like if he was if he was maybe a little bit better at things, like this is again really headcanon. So um I believe that Seonji has a bad relationship with his family and that he sees the Kiryu family as like the best family and very much idealizes it. So the idea that um actually Toga wasn't adopted, he was bought as like a boy sex slave. It's something that I don't think that Seonji has the wherewithal to even comprehend. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I, that does make sense. I feel like that tracks with everything we do know about Seonji in canon, that he would be too stupid to realize what was going on. Not that Toga would ever give him anything to like... Not that Toga would ever give him any sort of, like, idea of what was going on intentionally. No clues to pick up on, really, because because of how good Toga has to be just in his life at hiding how he really feels from everyone around him. You know, you kind of talked about these just being headcanons, but I think that that's fine because, like... Part of my favorite thing, I say this like every episode, my favorite thing about Revolutionary Girl Utena is how much room there is to analyze and try to figure out why things are going on because the series is not forward about any of that. Mm -hmm. It's really subtle all the time and it's like, you can really glean a lot from like the Shadow Girl plays and you know, just these very subtle lines mm-hmm. about what characters are using which, you know, uh, which uh, referrals, like who's saying son and who's saying, you know, who's not saying anything or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that one person's um, one person's uh, interpretation is just as good as any other, um, except that as a as a human being who is a person, sometimes I see people shipping Toga and Seonji, and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I mean, no. It's, a, it's they are toxic and horrible together, and you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. And there's a and there's like it, you know, if if you want to live in or if you want to work at that then I have to see the work. So if, the, if you want to say now that they're out of that school and now that they're able to communicate with one another, you know, they they can make it work, I can be like, okay, but you have to show that to me because I can't believe it just on, you know, straight yeah, up face I, I think value. I did actually a, um, I did actually a thing with the two of them together. And I kind of had this idea where Toga, in a way, for Seoji becomes a kind of, a revenant where no matter where where he is everything kind of like is revolving around him while he is around Toga while he is at that school 
like mm-hmm. things become filtered through the somehow filtered through Toga. Not just so much because Sayoji is obsessed or anything, because he is a little bit, but also because Toga makes sure that it stays that way. Yeah, I think that's definitely true because even though he, you know, very obviously and dramatically destroys their friendship in a lot of ways, like burning the exchange diary, um, being, you know, the, all those sarcastic talk about us being each other's best friends or whatever. And then, you know, leading him back into the, the duelist fold by taking him to the ends of the world and all that stuff, you know, as much as he doesn't want to have Sayonji be his only friend, he kind of also wants it. Toga. He wants that relationship because I think for him it's uh because of the fact that Seonji is so straightforward and so just like blunt about everything he feels safe in that relationship Alice it's like Seonji looks off into the distance and he's out of Otori oh and then on the skyline God. it's Toga Toga superimposed <laughs> like it's that scene um, you guys did that last week just- right Archimage. Well, I was yeah. thinking of uh, like I was thinking of the tower in Archimage. <laughs> oh god! Toga's face, like in an evil style, would be way fucking funnier. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I like I didn't want to interrupt the conversation, but I had to tell that joke because if I didn't, I would probably explode. So, you guys were like, having like serious lore talk here. We had an interesting <laughs> idea proposed about Sanji in the last couple episodes of the show. Um where we've considered the idea that, like, what do we make of Seoji's kind of aggressive attachment to his own Japanese-ness? Like, there's a lot of European trappings in the show. Um, mm. From European-style fairy tale to architecture to the use of French. But Seoji's... So Seoji's attachment to traditional Japanese cultural like forms is kind of noteworthy. Like, his use of, like, he, he does kendo. He doesn't do fencing. Mm-hmm. He uses kendo specifically. Like, you know, he, he's the, one of the only characters we see in, in mm-hmm. more standard, like, in, in sort of Japanese dress as opposed to Western style dress. Um, do, what do you make of that? Yes. Well, I mean, fundamentally, as somebody who has a rough basic, I mean, I would say rough because I don't want to be like, yes, yeah. I know all there is to know about Japan. Um, Seonji is actually a very old name. Um, there it's a, it's a, um, uh, let me see. I'm looking oh, at, really? I'm looking it up. It's a, basically it's an aristocratic name. Um, it's yes. So the, um, they're basically a part of the Royal family. There's a very famous, um, uh, prime minister of Japan okay, whose name is Sionji. Yeah, it's Kinji, or I'm sorry, Kinmochi Sionji. And he was actually the, the 12th and the 14th so prime minister. I'm looking at it on Wikipedia. This kind of like prestigious place. Not prestigious in the money, in the money way so much as prestigious in the, like, I'm connected to old, the, those who have always kind of been in power. Yes. 
and and um i mean this is mostly just at this point it's a trope so if you look um at other characters who who are named sayonji i'm not talking about like sekai sayonji because i don't know much about uh school days but if you look at um hyoko sayonji from danganronpa 2 she was like ultimate old-timey japanese dancer so you know she has that that japanese history and culture thing going on um and uh there's another bunch of characters and so sometimes that name is put in because it's like they want to give this idea of a person who has this old very you know long japanese family history and a basis in the culture that means that they have to carry on the old ways or whatever and sometimes they do it in a sort of like um parody type way like i was reading a comic recently where there was a character named sayonji who just like works at a burger shop and i think that that was supposed to be like a little tiny bit of a turn that trope on its side thing so i'm I'm curious so like we have this we have seoji here who is very much rooted in the past we have toga who's very european in the way that he presents himself i i almost feel like they're doing a kind of spectrum of the rich and powerful from everything from the like literal samurai family to the new the new money like the rich everything from rich business only been yeah. this way for a few generations to like my family literally used to serve the emperor style it's like i've always said revolutionary girl utana and or on high school host club are just the same I am show have to do that analysis <laughs> good lord <laughs> I mean, actually, like, joke aside, like, I, I feel like knowing that, actually, I think I could. Like, there's something interesting about the fact that the old aristoc- aristocrat of Seoji is very much under the thumb of the new money rich because we have stocks and company style rich of Toga. Yeah, and I, and I, in my head, um, I, I've thought a whole lot about Seoji's life and background, um, and so like i even went so far as to because it's clear that that his uh that seonji's parents and toga's parents probably know each other and it probably has something to do with work and so i would think that that one of the reasons that you know they both have such issues with each other is that like seonji's dad maybe works for or with toga's dad you know like they're you know but he sort of has to push himself down because he's you know, even though he's this old old family he has to you know kowtow to the the nouveau riche um but i mean it also goes back to the whole shoujo manga tropes thing because you know if you look at uh at a large swath of these older shoujo mangas which are almost all um about romance in some degree to some degree like romance is involved the romance um you know, like a lot of them are actually set in Europe and they're about European characters. Um, and a lot of times it'll be like, here's the noble family with money and here's their son who's the love interest or whatever. And the ones that aren't, they almost always, like the ones that are set in Japan, they do have like these traditional style Japanese families, which, you know, are, um, which are, are, you know, part of this larger moving of the culture and, 
you know, they have money and they have fancy mansions that you can yeah, walk like, around in in the comic right. and whatever. Um, and so, like, it's it's commentary on that trope again. Um, it's so strange, though, because in the 90s when the, when the anime came out, you know, the people who might have been watching it would not necessarily have read any of these comics. Some of them they probably would have. I think, uh, I think a lot of kids and teens and stuff have still read Rosa Versailles. Um, but, you know, like, it, it, it's, it's a, a little bit interesting to have it be a commentary on something that, um, is not even that popular in Japan at the time, and is definitely not something that here in America yeah, has Yeah, there's also something to be said for foothold. this idea that, like, the old, the old money Seonji, the old way Seonji is, he's still, like, the, the old elites are still there. But they have been, to a degree, supplanted in privacy. Like, we talk, like, if we go back to the idea, like, the idea yes. of revolution, both as a change and as a cycle, is a big thing in, in Utena. And one of those, you kind of see that a bit in, like, you know, the world change. The togas rose, and Seojis are, well, mm -hmm. they're around, but they don't quite look the same anymore. They're not. And the one on yeah, top it's, it's, isn't it's, it's, is it is someone no who isn't even from Japan, you know? By blood aristocrat sort of idea that is on top anymore. They're still around. They haven't gone away. But it is the possibly adopted, like, the sort of, like, a, the adopted toga ideal that is sort of on top. It's like, the, whether or not either of them are adopted, the, even the idea that one of them could be underscores for me that Though this is very much not the old way of doing things, they were the new way. Although adoption is actually the old way of doing things in Japan, <laughs> yeah, especially in like big long uh, lineages. Um, even if you're not talking about just I don't have an heir, so I need to adopt one. Um, if they only had yeah, daughters, no, you, they would adopt, adopt the son into yeah, their family, the and the son would become the. Yeah, that that the was heir. the way that you did a lot. The son-in-law, rather. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but that doesn't mean that as a death of the author sort of uh, independent critical analysis, we can't talk about that. Th that reading of aristocracy, sort of, the aristocracy and the person of Seonji being supplanted and sort of, like, playing second fiddle to the property-rich sort of, like, new class that Toga represents, mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's, that's pretty accurate, like, and also, like, it would, it would sort of add a little extra layer to why Seoji is so determined to not just catch up to Toga, but be better than Toga, just finally, at one thing. Yeah, why he has such an inferiority complex. Yeah, because, like, he should have been. By his by his understanding of what makes you good, he should have been. In addition to, like, the, the change in regime type thing... I, I know that there was an interview a long time ago, back when I was still in high school, actually, there was an interview on Yahoo Chat, which you can find on Empty Movement, um, and I, <laughs> I read it recently, and I and I was really interested in, someone asked a question about Seonji specifically, and like, what, you know, what was the point of him, and um, the answer was basically that since he's this representative of someone who's very old-fashioned, the, like, the... The characters, are the, especially the male ones in Uchina, tend to represent different ways of toxic masculinity, like different ways toxic masculinity works. So we have your Miki, who ostensibly is like 
a, you know, he seems like a relatively good kid, but he has this, I puts women up on a pedestal to a great degree and doesn't really seem to understand that they're people. Um, and then there's, you know, the whole, uh, toga thing where he sees women as objects and ways to, you know, make his status higher, um, and, you know, that they're easy to manipulate or whatever. Um, and Seonji is someone who sees women as, as sort of the old style. And you can also see that in the way that he, <clears throat> he, um, excuse me, uh, wrote, quote, romances Anthe. Like, he considers her to belong to him, but he also has this very adamant, very, um, sort of pining like love relationship with her in his own mind he doesn't really seem to care or or understand that she doesn't reciprocate or if or if she reciprocates it's just when he's the you know her, her fiance and she has to agree to whatever he says oh yeah their exchange um, diary yeah the exchange because the thing is if you if you you know think about what he's actually saying in that exchange diary apart from the parts where he's just about beating Uchina up <laughs> Um, and calling her ugly like he's very you know he's very he has very strong feelings that he's expressing in this way that is sort of old-fashioned but I do think that he actually he uh, along with the fact that he sees her as an object that he wants to obtain he actually does have feelings for Anthe even though they are misled and based on you know a person that she is not um it's it's pretty like it's it's pretty interesting that of all of the characters in um the uh in the whole series the only one who's really willing to put themselves out there romantically and actually talk frankly about love and how you know and their feelings and how they feel them is Seonji <laughs> you know like Miki is creepy and stalks Anthony and wants her to play piano and um, Juri is just like intensely secretive about her relationships and her feelings about Jory and all the other characters are either like don't have a love interest or are just sluts with everyone and so and then you know there's Wakaba which I think actually makes it makes it clear to me that they would be kind of a good pairing because they actually do have sort of like you know the same yeah, kind I mean, of way of expressing their romantic feelings yeah, for one another him and Wakaba also are both kind of attached to another person that they are running behind trying to catch up with. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. And, like, um, I don't know if everybody's read this, because not everybody has been in this fandom as long as me, um, and therefore absorbed everything they can about their favorite characters, but there's a really funny scene in one of the light novels where... Um, somebody tells Seonji that, like, he needs to actually be nice to Anthe if he wants her to, like, fall in love with him or whatever. So he goes out to buy her a present and he, at the soup, at the, um, department store or the mall or whatever, he actually runs into Wakaba and he's like, should I get her this salad oil? And Wakaba is like, I don't know. Don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not really, not I, uh, I have not, uh, read any of the translations of the light novels but how are the light novels oh boy oh, they're so good well okay so they're interesting and they um as all the other media parts of utana are they they take a different tack oh, God. and some of the plots are, are gonna... so like as in the manga jury is not you know in the manga jury is not in love with shori she's in yeah. love with toga um 
for censorship reasons ultimately but in the manga or in the in the light novel miki and toga are doing it and i'm like um yeah actually i, I like have uh, heard about that and i like that my interest in the, in the light novels are dead just like my heart yeah there's some parts of them that are okay um and i think that the translation that was going cut off like right at the part where we find that out and i was just like okay mm. i don't think i read the rest but i mean also there were only three of them and there were supposed to be more so oh i didn't know that oh. i think so because the plot doesn't seem to be ending at that point um but anyway uh what was i saying um yeah so seonji really um is the person the most in tune with his feelings, even if, I mean, which is not necessarily a good thing because sometimes those feelings make him do ridiculous shit. And not all of it is is great, like stabbing Toga. Not all the feelings are good. Some feelings are bad, actually. Seonji has a lot of bad feelings. He has a lot of feelings, and most of them are not controlled in any significant way. And, And I do, like, think a lot about his not not wanting to be friends with anybody because technically he's probably still he probably still consider himself friends with toga and i think that if he stopped worrying so much about toga and actually got himself some new friends he might not be so awful but that's not gonna happen the real seonji redemption would be the friends he made along the way yeah actually it would be <laughs> you know what's funny that's exactly what it was when i did a role play of <laughs> Oh yeah, um, when we talked uh, before this, you told me that you used to roleplay Seonji. How was that? I did. I actually roleplayed Seonji in um, high school in a Yahoo uh, chat roleplay Oh boy. Uh Uh-huh, it was great. And by great, I mean I was 16. How Um, was, um, how was Revolutionary Girl Utena roleplaying in those days? I'm actually really curious about that as well. Unless, I mean, you don't have to well, talk about it if you don't want to, but I'm just curious. No, it's not that I don't want to. It's that I can't really remember much. That's fair. You know, because I'm old now, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, I'm I'm 33, so out there. Yeah. Um, but, but I do remember it being very um, basic. You know, I think at the time, my personal understanding of Uchino was very basic. I was not... I'd never done any. I hadn't read Bell Hooks. I still. Have read Bell oh, this Hooks. would have you know been I mean. before you had finished the series, also. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was all first season stuff. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it doesn't get it. I mean, the first season is there's some stuff in there that like the there's some gay stuff. There's some stuff where characters do wacky shit, and but the but the whole like the very deep dark stuff doesn't come until the second season mm-hmm. and later. Um, and so we knew about that, but like, cause we would read the scripts, but we didn't really take it into account. And also there's only so much you can get from reading translated scripts, some of which were probably not that great of translations. I don't know because I haven't read them in a hundred years, but I can imagine the quality of translation back in the day was not, uh, not really very great. Fan translation nowadays isn't even that great, but I digress. I, I, I always feel bad talking smack about I guess the quote competition or whatever, because, because I'm a translator, but, um, there's some real bad fan translations out there and I don't have to read them and I probably shouldn't, but I do anyway (laughs) because I'm lazy. And also 
Uh, comics cost money. Yeah, so, comics do cost money. So, um, don't fire me from my position at any of my freelance jobs, please, employers. Oh, I'm sure I'm, none uh, of them are I'm listening. a good kid. I, I do buy, I do buy comics. Um, but <clears throat> anyway, um, back then, um, the, our understanding of the characters was, was very shallow. It was a lot about, like, characters interacting with each other and, like, romance plots. One thing I do remember was, like, there was a school dance and there was a scene between Seonji and Wakaba. If anybody decides to go to my fanfiction.net uh, site, there there's a fanfic I wrote after I saw um, a Midsummer Night's Dream where they put on the play and I cast all the characters into the parts I liked a lot. And that means that, like, I can't remember the characters' names in a Midsummer Oh, that Night's sounds Dream, delightful. Like, so <laughs> it was fun. I mean, it's probably, I haven't read it in a long time, so it's probably very badly written, but it was, it was fun to write. That's what really matters. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I don't care if anybody actually likes and reads it. Um, no, I do. Please read my stuff and like it. No, I'm just kidding. Don't read my old stuff because I'll cry. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I didn't actually get a real good understanding of Utuna until I was much older. And I think that part of the reason that everybody I know and me were so obsessed with it was because it fed into something that we didn't even know we wanted ourselves. You know, like, the idea of characters who have these ambiguous um sexualities and who live these you know lives that allow them to express it in some way even if it's a way that's that's mediated by someone manipulating them for my friends group in high school who were all very queer um it was something that like the person who i who i knew who was the one who had all the uchina box set um she was gay and she ended up dating my best friend and like the the whole like high school queer drama thing was very um you know something that that we that we saw in Utena I guess or something that you know Utena allowed a lot of people in my friends group to understand themselves better and to love themselves more I guess in some ways um to some degree, I guess. I mean, also, Bronze Zetsuai was there, and I don't know if that allowed anybody to love anybody more. That's really great, though. I can only imagine what discovering Revolutionary Girl Utsa in high school would have done for my friend group. It's, and, and I don't know how old you guys are, but when I was in high school, it was the early 2000s. And, you know, in these, in this age of, you know, relative gay acceptance it's hard to remember what things were like back when will and grace was on tv <laughs> oh boy yeah uh we are both in our uh mid-20s yeah i graduated okay but like because because back then you know like my best friend who was gay had a bowling shirt that she liked to wear and we went to a really big high school and a lot of people yelled at her for being you know a d-word and i was like I will punch them. And, you know, but like, I don't know if when she got harassed for that, she had even come out to me yet. I'm straight, by the way, but all of my friends in high school were artsy gays. And so like, just having this, this thing that we could talk about that allowed us to express these feelings that maybe we were too afraid to express out loud like maybe it was better for it was easier i think for my friend to be um for my best friend you know who's still my best friend now to be um interested in like dudes and gay relationships 
than it was for her to admit that she was a lesbian. That um, definitely makes sense. Attracted to it. It's still true now. Um, and it's, it's an interesting thing that I have no, uh, right to talk too much about because I'm, I'm straight and not, you know, I'm not someone who has paid a whole lot of attention to that. Uh, but having Uchina there and having like, it it was, it, it, it was more than we would have seen on our TVs. Absolutely. It was more than than um, anybody had ever really considered at that time. And having it there made people more open, I guess. And, you know, we would just draw pictures of each other as Uchina characters. Aww. You know, and when my two friends started dating or whatever, it was oh, like, that's adorable. oh, this is the Uchina and the relationship and this is the Anthe or whatever. And it's like, I remember one day, <laughs> this is stupid. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with that, but I do remember one day that I was talking to my friend about how she didn't feel like she could ever be happy because she was gay. And then, you know, I was just saying, no, in the future, everything's going to be a little bit better. I, I know it, or I think, and who knows, I could be remembering this wrong, but it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of idea that even though everything in Ocean was tragic and awful, the, that we could look and see something like that yeah. was nice. And also not every... I mean, I feel like the movie manga's ending is not that tragic. I kind of like it better. I'm sorry. It's just... Than the movie? Well... <laughs> you know, I actually read it before I read the movie. It was another one of those comics that I had, like, a printed out translation yeah. of. And I was reading it and I was like, ooh, and I cried. We know? just did uh, an episode about the movie manga. And I I like both endings. I like the movie and I like the movie manga. But there's something that does just, like make me feel nice and warm inside about the like waking up at the planetarium ending as opposed to the triumphant ride off into the sunset where they make out where they kiss naked and are naked yeah after being Um, cars that's ikahara baby who's another wear car (laughs) i want to write a fic where it takes that absolutely seriously it's just straight up there's a wear car the whole time Oh man, just like um, what's that TV show where the kid turns? How would you transfer the weird car disease? Do you like have to run someone over? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe you just have to bump them with the grill, and it draws blood like it's a werewolf. But the grill is the teeth. <laughs> There are so many questions, and all of them are terrible. This may be the dumbest tangent we've ever gotten off play onto, with me. Alex. Play with me in this space. I'm not not playing <laughs> with you. I just need to acknowledge that. <laughs> turbo Team. Turbo it Team. Was turbo Team. I was trying to think of the name too because I can see vividly the image of the boy turning into the car, but I couldn't think of what it was and his fucking butt called. Just becoming incredibly wide. I do have a question for you too to kill our tangent. Mm-hmm. Do you, what do you think a Seoji post Otori Academy looks like? Are we going to talk about um, after the revolution or whatever? We can. We can. I've been bored. Your I mean, I, you know, I, I like the ponytail. That's my take. <laughs> I like the goofy side ponytail he's got yeah, going on. I've seen it. Um, I actually do like it. It's a good. It's good. We haven't technically read After the Revolution yet because we're going to talk about it in an... uh, We're going to talk about them in an episode at some point. But uh, don't worry about spoilers for... I mean, because we're going to get to it anyway. (laughs) 
And we've already had some of it spoiled for us, so it doesn't really matter. There there was this part where Seonji was blushing about, like, a naked painting, and I was like... I, I, when I just glanced at the picture, I thought it was Jury, because he looked so, like, like shocked. And I'm like... <laughs> You big baby. But anyway, um, honestly, the, the whole, the, when the end of the series comes on and, you know, Uchina is wiped from the timeline and everything, um, I wasn't a f- big fan of him and Toga hanging out. I do like, I do like him and Nanami hanging out. I think that of the characters who interact maybe twice in the series, uh, that's my favorite pair of characters who don't really interact very much, but I think should have. Maybe they thought the comedy would explode too hard. Like, they were like, no, we can't have Seonji and Nanami hang out because everything would get way too wacky. I do kind of see Nanami and Seonji as sort of like counterparts to each other in a way. And they're in the, uh, in the Bud of the White Rose musical. They're the only characters that ever break the fourth wall. They definitely seem to oh, be- that's true the most aware of the fact that they are in some sort of strange situation. I mean, I think that both of them are definitely uh, back to the whole shoujo manga tropes thing again. They're both the the strongest shoujo manga trope characters. Yeah. Because Toga, you know, as much as he's like the princely type of character, that is sort of undermined incredibly by the fact that he is actually super manipulative and under someone else's control and not 100% actually that interested in Uchina, at least in the animated series. I mean, he's, you know, he's interested in her, but I don't think he actually wants to be with her in the series at all. In the manga, it's different. But but the thing about, about Nanami is she fills this, like, role that's usually the rival in the shoujo manga of the, of the 70s, um, where, you know, she's super over the top, and, you know, she has... Um, very little inner life in a lot of these comics. The rival is just like evil woman for the sake of being evil, you know, like, um, I stole your life and then I pushed your grandpa down the stairs. And, that or like, seems uh, way too specific to not be a direct Yeah, that reference. does seem like really specific. Okay, that was Hakushakurejo, <laughs> which is a comic about a girl who's an orphan, but actually she's a duchess and or um not a duchess uh uh what is it hakushaku is duke no is it no it's count count she's a countess um and then this girl drowns her trying to steal her life because nobody knows what she looks like and then <laughs> she doesn't die but she gets amnesia and it's fucking amazing it's super that good simultaneously it's not done they're not done translating it yet that sounds like a huh? soap opera <laughs> It, there are a lot of them are like that. But like, you know, it's like um, she's always going to be this really high class girl who has everything that the main character who's not high class doesn't. And she, you know, is in spite of all that, she still wants what the main character has. You know, it feels like um, from your description, they kind of took that archetype and split them in and split that character into both Naname and Jury. That's probably true, too. Yeah, Jury, um, well, Jury also falls into this sort of, like, the whole icy beauty thing. There's always a Jury-type character mm-hmm. in, um, like, there's one in Onisama A, which is, uh, by the lady who did Rose of Versailles. I've heard of Onisama A. Um, it's pretty good, but also pretty depressing. That sounds um, about right. 
there's cancer in it, I think. Um, but, um, you know, like, there's a character who's like that, who's sort of slightly masculine, cold, but also really gorgeous as a woman. And, yeah, there, that, that Nanami character definitely exists in the Onisama A uh, universe. Like, it's so... I feel like I'm just trotting the same familiar ground by being like, yes, everyone here is shoujo manga tropes, but, you know, like... Uh, the two characters who hew most closely to the shoujo manga stereotypes, in my opinion, are going to be Nanami and Seonji to the point where it's a parody and it becomes sort of ridiculous. Like, you know, the character who's like very strident about being in love with someone to the point where they become abusive and shitty. And usually the narrative forgives them in the shoujo mangas. You know, usually it's like, no, he's still a good guy, even though he beats her. Or yeah, they're they're they're. Um, but that's not the kind of story. Of behaviors. Behaviors. But you know, like anatomy, um, generally speaking, I suppose anatomy is more ridiculous than anything. She truly is. Anatomy is my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's less of a response to to tropes and more of just like we need a break. Let's after the dress thing, anatomy. I feel like she's not really the villain ever again even when she should be it's just sort of like she's she's just kind of hard to take seriously in any of her schemes after that they're just funny yeah also so most of her schemes are stupid like <laughs> well it's because like, she's like 13 yeah like she's, she she feels like let's make them eat super spicy curry ha <laughs> i'm so evil Auntie hamemi is a weirdo who keeps snails in her pencil box god so good we quoted that unendingly in high school it was really sad so one of the uh one of the members of the empty movement discord recently did a stream where it was all non-ma episodes that's amazing it was very good that would be so good i i would take down all the lines i liked a lot in um in a notebook and hold on to them. Because I didn't have the t- tape, so I couldn't watch it all the time. So I would just read the note. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I also took notes on Gundam Wing. Very nice. Gundam Wing is hard to follow. Gundam Wing is so good. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, as far as, like, Seonji goes, I can't really explain why I like him. That's fine. There, there's some of it goes to the fact that um, that when I was a kid, I went through this phase where I was super interested or I was super obsessed with the color green to the point where like my whole wardrobe was green and it was my favorite color or whatever. So I just I would always wear green and I would draw myself in green and blah, 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 blah. Well, that's me right now. You, if you can see my little icon there, you see I have green hair. <laughs> I wanted to, but my hair is pretty garbo, and it, I don't think I can bleach it, otherwise it would all fall out. So <laughs> I tried to dye my hair green with Kool-Aid once when I was in high school. Oh, how did that go? <laughs> it didn't work because I didn't bleach it. Oh, yeah, well. Yeah, that's how that works. But um, the, you know, the, the obsession with green made it so that I was like, that one is mine when I saw, um, when I saw the whole... You know, when I just saw the character mm-hmm. and when, but when I actually was like, oh, that's my favorite one, um, was the castle, uh, where eternity dwells when he just get like smashed by the holographic castle and he's like, I'm fucking dead. <laughs> I can't believe Seonji fucking died. 
I can't believe Sanji fucking died in like the fifth episode. Um, because that also gives you his, I mean, quote unquote backstory. That gives you his like sort of, I'm a kid and here's how my life is. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know, you know, <clears throat> here's me and Toga hanging out and here's Toga being a shit. And then I was like, I hate Toga and I like Sanji. <laughs> I'm 15. I am curious though, like regardless of, uh, after like, it, pretending that after the revolution doesn't exist, where mm-hmm. do you think that Seonji, like, what do you think happens to Seonji post series, post post revolution, if you will? I don't have a lot of faith in uh, Seonji's ability to recover from being a shithead. Um, I think that you know that if if you just take all the characters who exist and the plot as it exists, you know. Even after he gets out of school, the likelihood that he um, will realize that women are people and he should treat them that way (laughs) is pretty low. Although, I mean, you know, maybe if Nanami is around and is able to influence him, he has a better chance. Um, Because if there's anyone who can make you realize that women are people and sometimes they're really weird... It's uh, it's not a me because she's a very weird woman person. I definitely think that they have the most potential to at least lead somewhat normal lives post-revolution if they put in the work mentally. I've, yeah, I do. I do feel like that's true. Um, I mean, maybe Jury because Jury has a lot of outside influence in her life, even if it's uh, being a model outside influence. <laughs> but um, I do think that, honestly, I think that of the characters who are siblings, uh, no, just of the characters in general in the series, the ones who act the most like siblings would probably be Seonji and Nanami in like the two times that they interact. Like... Nanami just fucking clocks Seonji. And I'm like, yes, that is a sister-brother thing. I love the scene like, where she comes upon him in the woods cooking eggs and she thinks that he's gonna cook her egg. Apron on. It's so good. His his frilly apron and his it's such fucking, a good scene. I don't know why he's camping. He really He doesn't seem like the type, but it's like you know, but when you see it, you're like, mm, okay. When you see it, you it know? feels like it makes sense, even if maybe it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of camping where you have a table and a basket full of eggs. So it's kind of baby camping. You know, your your staples of camping, your tent, your basket of eggs. Like, in like, there's a lot of times in Japan where people will just go to, like, because uh, it's, it's a lot of people live in the city, so there's only su- certain places that you're able to camp. And you'll go there and it's just like some grass by a lake or whatever, and then you just make curry. And it's like, okay. And I feel like that's the kind of camping he's doing, except instead of curry, he's making eggs. <laughs> that's what it looks like. He's such a garbage boy. Um, is there anything that you wanted to bring up about Seonji that we haven't really gotten to? I think he learned how to carve by carving his own boken. Interesting. I like that. That's, I could see it. Yeah, that I could see that. That was my theory. Yeah. Because he got that wood carving kit, um, but he was pretty good at it already. And it's like, how, how do you do that? 
I feel like um I my theory, you know, I feel like Seonji's family probably was big into Kendo, but that's also one of the reasons why he was so like upset about Toga because his family is the big Kendo family and Toga still beats him all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, Inferiority complex. And I'm sure he goes home and like his I sure he goes home and like his grandpa's like you know, beat by that Kiryu kid again, huh? The orphan or whatever. Aww. Aww. Poor baby. I mean, he does have like a huge inferiority complex. He is an inferiority complex. Yeah, and he's like just also a bad person. And um, I don't know, but I still, I still love him a lot. It's okay it's to stupid. love bad people when they're fictional characters yeah and also when you understand like what it is about them that makes them bad and you know why there might be people out there in the world who hear that he's your favorite character and then they're like um yikes you know although honestly as i grew up my list of characters who i liked changed a lot I kept being really fond of Seonji because he was my first favorite or whatever. But when I was a kid and before you really actually get to watch, you know, the series, but you sort of know things about what's going to happen in it. I just got to the point where I really didn't like Anthe and I didn't understand why she does what she does and, you know, what her what her whole point is until I actually watched the series. And then I was like, oh, with context, this makes so much more yeah. sense. You know, Anthe is like an I, enigma. I knew the witch story or whatever. And I knew what I knew that she stabs Utena at the end. And I was just like, why? <laughs> you know, but when you see it and when you sort of have an adult's understanding of the world and an, and an adult's comprehension of what the themes of the story are trying to be, you get a better idea of why this person is the way they are and why as a character they serve the needs of the story and also why they sh they would be admirable so like when Anthe leaves you know I'm like cheering her on super hard and I'm like she's she's strong Anthe is bae and you know <laughs> but when I was just reading about what happened I was like you know as like a 17 year old kid that makes sense um i didn't i did like i think i liked utina a lot more in high school and i like her a little less now <laughs> um which is which is a little bit sad but she is really very um i don't know i guess you could say wishy-washy or she has protagonist syndrome or she we usually refer to utina as a plot. dumbass yeah she definitely is a dumbass <laughs> it's like and I've seen so many, like, over the, like, so, uh, as I said before, I'm straight, but, um, over the years, I have made a lot of gay friends, and even the ones who weren't gay when I met them, most of them have been like, yeah, I'm either bi or trans or, you know, whatever, and, and, or gay or, eh. anyway, um, so what I see in, in Utena a lot is the person who's just very, very focused on being who they are, but also being completely normal because I may wear shorts to school instead of a skirt, but I'm not gay. I'm still I a just, completely normal girl. Yeah, I just love shorts and being a prince, 
I'm not going to marry a princess. I'm just going to be a prince. And it's like, I mean, you know, don't do that because it's stupid. But also, you're just, you're gay. I'm sorry. (laughs) You're just gay. You're a futch and you have a girlfriend and her name is Anthe and you guys need to get married. And that's all there is to it. Sorry. (laughs) All right. Well, um, looks like we kind of need to wrap up. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I talked. No, that's the whole, that's why we had you on was definitely to talk a lot. (laughs) Do you have any closing thoughts? Um, you know, uh, if you like Utena, I would recommend that you take a look at some of the stories that inspired it. Um, most of them aren't available in the West. Um, Rosa Versailles isn't. Udon Entertainment has the license and they have not been putting out any information about it and they've had the license for almost three years now well, that's unfortunate um, yeah so if you know anybody at udon entertainment i guess make noise at them udon um, entertainment we're calling you out <laughs> <laughs> but like there's a lot of good stories that um might make you understand the um the influences behind Utena a lot better so rosa versailles is very good onisama a or dear brother is very good um you know claudine is very depressing those three are all by the same person um i would also recommend a glass mask um it's like super long and it's not even over yet it's been going since the 70s wow and and it's not done yet it's insane (laughs) um the author recently tweeted that she will complete it no matter what because the magazine it was in um, is no longer That's wild. Oh, we, series, we stand a legend. When your series outlives yeah. its platform, that's wild. Oh, it's already outlived platforms oh, before. She used to be in the Hanato Yumi magazine, and then she was moved to the monthly Hanato Yumi magazine, and then that's the one that no longer is being published. So I don't know where she's going now, but I want it to finish because uh, it's very close, and um, it's also very good, but it's also very melodramatic. So... You know, if you want to read something that's a little shorter than Glass Mask, I would recommend your your Onisama A or your Claudine. Again, also very depressing. Um, and I also was reading um, OK No Monsho or Crest of the Royal Family or Crest of the Pharaohs, which is a very old isekai comic about a girl who gets transported to ancient pharaoh times. And it's kind of stupid, but it's by this person who made Hakushakurejo. And I like both of those very much. So anyway. Uh, well, thank you so much because uh, w- like I we went into this knowing that, or we, we've gone through this knowing that Utna is very, uh, it, it was a response to a lot of shoujo tropes, but we haven't really gotten into it in the specific as much. And you brought a lot of that knowledge to the table that we uh, didn't necessarily <laughs> have before. So thank you so yeah. much. You're welcome. And if you just want to try something by Chiho Saito, Magnolia Waltz is actually really good. And if you think there's a, um, I'm sorry, there's a part in Utena in the first few episodes where uh, after Wakaba gets uh, screwed with by Seonji, um, or my, I still hold that Seonji just actually did throw out the letter and somebody picked it up out of the garbage. He probably threw it out like, ugh, another stupid letter. And then one of the Kendo people picked it out of the garbage and he may have seen it and gone, eh, I don't care. But I don't think he put it up on the board himself. Anyway, um, the, uh, the, after she's like 
sad about her shit, she pulls out a book that she said she recently reread because um, she hated it before because of the dumb romance plot or whatever. And now she really loves it because the person who falls in love with the guy later gets married to someone she likes better. Um, and that's basically, I mean, that's part of the plot. But Magnolia Waltz is very good. And I think everybody should give it a chance. Um, it's also by Chiho Saito. Okay, awesome. And, uh, there's a sequel, but yeah. All right. Sorry. No, that's, that's fine. fine. Listeners, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at UtanaCast. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandanata. Alice, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet, on the internet at Twitter at Lyrewolf. That's L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And uh, don't you have a couple other things that you like to plug? Yes. Yeah, so um, I have a Kofi. Give Alice your money. <laughs> I'm actually I'm doing um, <coughs> what's it, what do they call it? Um, commissions. Yes. I'm doing commissions. Um, pick if it's something that I have read or watched, I'm willing to write pitch for you or original fiction. If you just have like an idea and you want to see somebody play with it, I can do that. I've done work on some mods before. Um, I've done work on like fan fiction, so I can do a lot of things. So get in touch with me. Um, also, I'm not revealing the name yet, but me and my fiance are looking to start a new podcast. And when I'm absolutely sure what that will look like, we will talk about it. I feel like there's a chance you have accidentally said it in a recording. Should I just, but should I I just say the title? You can. I mean, it's your podcast. You get to say whatever you want. I'll tell you this. The title of our new podcast is Lily Academy. Lily Academy! It's such a good name! Ooh, Especially because that is good. it's about um, Yuri comics and also anime. And it's, it's, it's about Yuri... Excellent. Um, We already have Mm -hmm. some stuff lined up. Um, We need to record. We're kind of going off the beaten path a little bit um, with some smaller kind of stuff that we think people will like. Uh, We will be talking about Usuna and Yurikuma at some point. Um, So, yeah, like, I'm not entirely sure when that will come out. I'll probably know by the next time we record, but. Excellent. Um, Abby, where can people find you on the internet should you wish to be found? Sure, you can find me. I already mentioned my fanfiction.net name, so, I mean, you know, I have nothing left to hide. Uh, <laughs> my Twitter is at Abby Lark, A-B-B-Y-L-A-R-K. I also have a Tumblr still, at Abu Lark, A-B-B-U-L-A-R-K, but mostly all I do is retweet stuff that I like, uh, or retumble, tumble, whatever. And um, you can also find me on the books i translated the water dragon's bride and after hours for viz i also translate ace of the diamond for kodansha i also did house of the sun um there's a book called anti-magic academy the 35th test platoon that i did and i did a comic called uh i can't read it because it's far away the strange creature at kuriuri apartments it's not that good everybody go read those things or just buy them, I, at least. Some of the jokes are funny, so... But there's a lot of other questionable stuff, because, you know... I mean, it's manga. Comics. Uh, yeah, it's work, so... But, um... And, uh, please enjoy m- hearing my voice. 
uh, on this podcast, and uh, I I had a great time, and I hope uh, you guys uh, have uh, some sort of topic I could inform on at some point. Yeah, sure. We would love to have you back. Um, We are a Patreon-supported podcast. You can find that link anywhere that you can find us on the internet, and if you would like to email us, you can do that at imagineandutana at gmail.com, or you can check out our uh, still mostly dead Tumblr, sorry about that, at imagineandutana.tumblr.com And that is all of our plugs, or if it isn't, uh, one day I will write them all down. That is not today. So, revolutionize the world, everybody. See you later. Bye.